Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Bull. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning. I'm sitting here with Tim from Blockade Australia. We're going to have a little bit of a chat about um, the latest developments for BA up north and what's coming up. Um, hey, Tim. Hi. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. Really nice to have you here. Thanks so much for making the time. Um, I just want to start pretty generally. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how you got involved in activism in the first place. And I guess specifically if you had like an aha moment or was it um, something that was more of a gradual development? When I was eight, on my brother's birthday, we like went to Sanity. I took and my brother got a gift card and I convinced him to spend his money on the new Green Day album, American Idiot. And that sort of like was a political awakening for me. I think it was my first exposure to politics, like angry politics, I guess. And that year, my um, year four teacher convinced me to start a petition and to write a letter to John Howard to convince them to sign the Kyoto Protocol. And so I collected 2,000 signatures and wrote a two-page letter to the Prime Minister. Wow. Um, we got rid of all of the um, all of the disposable rubbish from all of the schools, various like canteens and stuff and um, a few months later I got a really long, kindly worded fuck off from the PM. <laughs> and, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, continued sort of going to rallies and stuff through my teens and um, uh, got involved in a lot of sort of um, like refugee and whistleblower sort of activism um, and uh, sort of always had a gross optimism in mm. people and their ability to tackle big issues and didn't push as hard as some of these young kids are now. Um, I went backpacking for three or four years and then had a complete meltdown coming back home and mm. realising that nothing had changed and everything got worse. Um, and um, while I was abroad, I made friends with lots of cool anarchist people mm. who were um, doing a lot of radical organising and came to Australia and couldn't find anyone doing that stuff mm. and um, was um, training with Flack to go up to Binby and to do some activism in Victoria mm. when Extinction Rebellion popped up was um, really involved with Extinction Rebellion for four years mm. and made a real effort to stick around um, in exile after all the radicals left, um, quit my job, moved into a van, mm. started living full time as an activist probably yep. two or three years ago. Yeah, just maybe like a quick 
overview of what happened, you know, I think it was a week, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was two weeks. Two weeks, sorry. And Blockade Australia did 21 actions mm. in the port of Newcastle and particularly targeting the um, bridge where all the coal trains travel into the, the um, largest coal port in the world. Um, it was um, definitely selected Newcastle for being a very palatable, easy to understand target. Mm. You know, bad thing, good people blocks bad thing. Yep. And um, there was some, um, yeah, it was quite a radical range of tactics. People were setting up tripods. Um, I abseiled off the bridge and uh, tied my mm. line off to the train line. The I think Barnaby Joyce came out in a press conference that week and said yeah. <laughs> we caused something to the effect of $120 million of delayed exports. Wow. Um, there was a huge outflow of support from the activist community, people mm. who really wanted to be involved. And so yeah. it sort of escalated that to um, a one-week blockade of the port of Newcastle, uh, sorry, the port of Botany yeah. in Sydney. It's the largest yeah. container port in Australia and uh, did nine different actions that week, mm. uh, which resulted in a lot of disruption, but also um, two of our friends, some Germans, mm. uh, were deported from the country yeah. um, with ministerial discretion to create a bit of a, I guess, someone to blame. Yeah. And another activist got uh, sentenced to prison for four months for climbing one of the um, ships stacking uh, container cranes yep. and got out on appeal after about two weeks. Mm. And I'm just interested to know, can you tell us a little bit, um, I suppose, about the theory of change of causing disruption in economically significant areas? Yeah, so the I guess the, the strategy of Blockade Australia is... Uh, attempting to do something slightly different to a lot of the urban disruption um, we've seen lately, which is quite, I guess, government-focused with yep. specific demands. And I guess Blockade Australia, like my interpretation of our theory of change is that Blockade Australia is trying to um, shift the political leverage away from the state in the form of, firstly, of not asking the state to verify our mm. demands but rather to shift political leverage to empowered groups of connected skilled and well-organized people to take action that directly targets the um, capitalist system as a whole by mm. trying to put as much of a um, I guess um, statement out there mm. in um, in economic terms um, do you think that is the biggest point of, of difference that BA has as opposed to other climate movements or organisations that are, you know, doing, um, yeah, I suppose they have the same, the same long-term goals but very different tactics? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Blockade Australia is trying to... Um, I don't necessarily think the biggest difference is the tactics mm. or the... Um, I guess the long-term goals, I'll agree with that, because um, Blockade Australia is just using tactics that are traditionally used in, I guess, industrial or 
um, forest environments and using them in urban contexts. But I think that um, what I see Blockade Australia is trying to do is to take offensive direct action. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, have come to us um, out of disillusion of constantly trying to fight things that have already been decided, Mm. I guess. And we want to take, we want to empower people and take power away from the state so that they can't make those decisions in the first place. Yeah. And um, being able to to have people skilled and connected and ready to um, respond to the systemic issue Mm. as a whole rather than on a single issue. I wanted to ask a little bit more personally now. Um, so if you just want to tell us a little bit about um, what happened a few months ago. Um, I suppose what were the goals for that? What was the plan? And then what ended up actually happening? Um, specifically, I'm just keen to hear about um, what your role was and how you felt, you know, doing, doing that and after everything that's happened. Blockade Australia has been doing mobilizations um, to uh, build momentum and capacity towards causing um, disruption uh, for a mobilization that took place on the 27th of June in Sydney, um, where the, um, I guess, tactic or the, the, I guess, strategy rather was to um, temporarily um, halt economic activity at key bottlenecks in and around the CBD in mm-hmm. Sydney. In the week leading into the mobilisation, a handful of people were camping in the um, far west of Sydney. Yeah. We were um, picking up debris, cleaning out the river. We had um, fixed a lot of flood damage around the property, had um, propagated a lot of trees that had been destroyed and there was um, a raid that that followed pretty mm. soon after on the Sunday before the mobilisation. New South Wales police, we learned afterwards, mm. were surveilling the camp and a number of police officers began trickling in, walking through the um, campground where people were sleeping Mm. Um, and then you know slowly search and rescue showed up the dog squad showed up Mm. riot squad showed up and the um the raptor squad showed up which is the Mm. um highly armed sort of paramilitary sort of group in new south wales police that executes high profile raids on Mm. um organized crime syndicates the raptor squad encircled activists in a small area of the campsite a pretty well-dressed group of men in suits showed up with clipboards and uh, ipads and Mm. a book with faces of people on their watch list and uh, began um, began the search Mm. they uh, identified and searched everybody on site um, and um, identified a handful of people that they 
wanted to arrest on that day um, and I was one of the first of those people to be picked out of the bunch. Mm. We got shipped off to uh, Windsor Police Station, mm. refused bail, kept overnight um, and uh, were transferred to a holding prison, a very, very putrid, horrific place in Emu Plains. Mm. And um, had caught that following morning where um, we were, uh, where everyone was granted extraordinarily strict bail to um, essentially house arrest, being at a certain address, reporting to the police, not being able to associate with anyone in the group. And uh, two of us were... um, accused of being the ringleaders of the operation and were charged with the heinous offence of aiding and abetting in the commission of a future crime. Whoa. And the crime they're alluding to is the um, the new laws that were passed after the botany mobilisation um, mm. that... Uh, made it illegal to block any major roadway in Sydney. My friend and I were um, refused bail by a magistrate and remanded at uh, Park Lee Correctional Centre, maximum security, um, spent 17 days in isolation in the prison and spent the last six days of our term in uh, general population uh, with other people in the um, prison system mm. and um, very miraculously were granted bail by another magistrate, were released on the condition that we were pretty much only released because we had pled not guilty to all charges and were willing to leave New South Wales and so we were Um, escorted Mm. back to our parents' houses by our parents from New South Wales Mm. and um, have been in Victoria on pretty restrictive bail conditions ever since. And the mobilisation still went ahead. Mm. A number of disruptive street actions happened. I think a total of about 31 people were arrested, all all charged with the same thing, Mm. blocking a major roadway Mm. and... Um, yeah, really restrictive bail conditions. Some people had to surrender their phone passcodes to police. Uh, some people have to report to the police station once a day. Um, a lot of people weren't allowed to talk to their partners, weren't allowed to talk to their siblings. Mm. And, um, yeah, effectively, um, no one from Blockade Australia is allowed to um, directly contact or go near each other. Um without breaching bail, which would most likely lead to people being remanded until their court dates. Yeah. Um, I suppose, where where do we go from here? You're talking about non-association lists, communities torn apart, partners, siblings. Um, and so Blockade Australia continues and have been doing some incredible work. So tell us a little bit about where we're going from here. Yeah, so I think the thing that the state has a hard time wrapping their head around is the idea of um, 
decentralization mm-hmm. and distributed organizing. Um, there's nothing planned in terms of actions at the mm. moment. But what has happened is um, a pretty feeble and, you know, petty attempt to identify the, like, leaders mm. of the organization has, you know, taken a lot of people like myself out of doing pretty much anything. But mm. there is still a movement happening and it's growing mm. and it's getting bigger. Amazing. Um, the the um, There's been a coalition of um, climate and different um, activist groups um, who have very publicly supported Blockade Australia. Um, the Greens have been very vocal about the injustice of the situation, the um, the clampdown that's happening on activists. Mm. Um, Blockade Australia still exists. There's still new people taking part every day. Mm. There's local meetups happening a lot. There's a lot of community building, a lot of uh, cross-movement communication happening. Uh, a lot of really good conversations are happening between groups that haven't spoken in a professional context for a while. Mm. And I think um, I think that the sort of indiscriminate attack on activism as a whole across this continent has brought the movement together. There was a, a united a united rally that happened in Melbourne a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, mm-hmm. um, that was co-organised by, I think, 10 or 12 different um climate and um, anti-colonial groups who are who previously have very different theories of how change happens in society yep. um, united together in yeah, a display of solidarity that I've not seen in the climate movement and that's uh, I don't think something that would have happened if the state wasn't putting the thumb down so hard on Mm. people who struggle to sleep because of how much they fear the destruction of country and the destruction of the environment and the Mm. well-being of people and so it's been really galvanizing you don't necessarily have to you know join blockade australia and climb tripods to take part in the movement but also there's a lot of people who are just coming along cooking for people and yeah there's really, really great community activities happening everywhere. Um, and there's been people who have seen it overseas. Mm. Um, there was um, quite a lot of people in Europe who were pretty keenly following Blockade Australia over the last year who have reached out and expressed their solidarity. Mm. There, I think there was a solidarity action that happened in Germany. That's pretty incredible. When the um, blockade australia repression was happening yeah around the time of the raid and the initial actions and um yeah i think there's a coming together of not just the movement but other movements too like refugee groups and yep. um i guess civil rights groups first nations groups yeah. and climate groups anti-capitalist groups mm. i wanted to say thank you thanks for making the time but so I'm now here with Izzy, who is another person um, from BA that's going to be chatting to us today about their personal experience 
and yeah, hopefully we'll get some um, nice reflections from them. Izzy, thanks so much for making the time today. No worries, it's a pleasure to be here in this lovely suburban backyard. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to start by asking you how you started getting involved in um, activism, um, I suppose any type, um, and I'm really interested to hear if it was um, an aha moment or if it was something gradually that increased over time until you found yourself where you are now. In my high school years, I went to a private all-girls religious school, which I did fit into particularly well and was, I guess, quite the oddball there. Um, the stuff that I was still learning there and all the, like, the classes and the social groups there, it didn't really feel yeah, like somewhere that resonated to me at all. I didn't feel like I was learning anything particularly useful about the world. And so I guess I was sort of always trying to like search for things that were um, useful and um, meaningful for me. And so I guess I sort of had to take on a bit of responsibility myself and like try and, yeah, learn about the world outside of school. I think the first kind of thing that made me really angry um, was learning about the food system, actually, and particularly about like, um, Monsanto. That was the first corporation that just really got my blood boiling. And then Bayer, shortly after that, the pharmaceutical um, corporation. Um, sorry, I'm bubbling a bit, but yeah, that's sort of where, um, where I sort of got thinking about things. And then um, I also, I did go straight into university after school, again, like, I didn't know what pathways to take. I think essentially I've always been searching for probably what the spaces that I'm involved in now I've been searching for for many years. Um, and I dabbled in, like, environmental sciences in that at uni, but I guess I realised that all environmental problems are social problems. And so then I went into humanities and social sciences and... The stuff that I was taught there at the university I went to, University of Queensland, it also, again, was, like, my experience is that it was very irrelevant, actually, to real-world issues. And so, I, yeah, I kept searching for grassroots things, but really struggled to find find those spaces. I can, I can reflect back to a time when I think I was 20, um... So about six years ago, and it was a bit of an aha moment. I sort of knew from that point onwards that I had at least I found the sort of spaces that I had been looking for. I found university a really isolating experience. I thought it was going to be super social. I thought I was just going to like easily fit into like cool, radical spaces. And they didn't really exist around me. I think I made one kind of good friend the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. pretty tragic. But I did join the fossil free group, which mm-hmm. I got into, and that sort of was the first little bit of activism that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. I am not just sure if those groups exist anymore, but I imagine that there is groups like. That's somewhat, um, uh, I, I guess, like radically or environmentally aligned. Yeah. 
And if it could just be a starting place, you know, she could just meet people that also have the same values to form a little like friendship group and yeah. then yeah, I guess come to things like working Australian organizations. For me as well. Um I joined the environmental group at uni and that's how I met a few people and then yeah, from there from there onwards. Um, I want to move on to your involvement in Blockade Australia. Um, I suppose um, I just want to hear about um, why um, you decided to be involved um, and what is usually your role within it um, and what would you like it to be in the future? Mm. Yeah. I am involved because I have immense I guess, feelings of desperation and fear about um, the future of where this planet is headed and where all life is headed. It's, yeah, it's, it is emotional to talk about, yeah. um, but I think it's important to talk about that grief that so many of us do experience um, as it definitely drives me. I think it's also important to not let it completely overwhelm and consume you and I do really find that being involved with um, Blockade Australia is a good way to I guess like channel those really intense emotions into something which I believe is probably the most productive thing I could do with those emotions Mm. and with my time and energy. Um, I really believe that we need radical systemic change if we are to have any kind of a flourishing future and radical systemic change is not going to come unless we force it to come. There's a, there's a huge, huge diversity of things I guess to be involved in. Um, I've recently taught myself how to use a camera and how to edit and create videos, which, uh, yeah, has been really awesome. I've really enjoyed doing it. I think it's been extremely useful. So that was, I guess, just like a bit of a hole that I saw that needed filling and decided to put my energy into that. Um, There's, I'm... At the moment, I'm trying to get better at my facilitation skills. So I guess learning how to facilitate um, a space and facilitate meetings is uh, one of the most valuable skills, I think, that we can all learn um, how to move through social problems, how to make awesome plans and that, Mm -hmm. and comes with good facilitation. So just to wrap it up, Izzy, um, I'm wondering what do you have to say to people who are jaded, um, people who are sitting in their bedrooms, um, sort of hopeless, feeling powerless and desperately needing that change? Um, what is your advice then? I resonate a whole heap with those sorts of um, feelings and situations that people are in. I can't say any particular events right now that are upcoming for Blockade Australia, but can promise that Blockade Australia is continuing and there will be more to come in the future, more exciting things to come in the future. And to uh, 
check your social media regularly and um, hopefully, yeah, you'll catch, catch some events there and um, I'll see you sometime in the future.